Hello and welcome to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. My name is Dave Deal. This is the podcast for the side cash hustler. If you want insights, real life experience from people just like you on how they started creating side income, you are in the right place. Documented experiences of people creating a few hundred dollars to extra tens of thousands of dollars a month. Make sure to subscribe and review. This means more than you know. Also, feel free to check us out at selfreliantwealth.com. Before we jump into the episode, let's take a minute to thank our sponsors. Welcome back to the Wealth Reliance Podcast. This is episode number two, part two of the interview with Bowman Farr. Without further ado, we'll jump right back into the episode. Hope you enjoy. At least we did, you know, a while back. But uh, so we we had tons and tons of emails. I mean, th- there were days where all day I'd, I'd like roll out of bed and hit my computer and type until like I was I wouldn't eat. I would just sit there trying to answer emails. I like, can chip away, and the inbox is like growing as fast as I can answer emails. They're just still pouring in. So that was that. I mean, it was basically the next month was like trying to hammer away at those emails. But luckily, um, as terrible as that experience was, we had our campaign switched over to Indiegogo within 24 hours and live over there. And um, we still blew away our expectations of what we thought was possible with that campaign. We didn't do 430 grand. Um, we were on target to do like 1.3 million on Kickstarter. We didn't get anywhere, anywhere near that, but it was still, you know, I, I kind of have to take a step back and realize, well, what was our expectation from the beginning? And it was still far beyond what that was. Indiegogo was pretty new at the time. Kickstarter was kind of like the brand name for crowdfunding. And so ads on Facebook going to Kickstarter, people understood what that was. They didn't understand that with Indiegogo. Um, there were also Indiegogo's a, like a different campaign, a uh, different platform, where people might not trust it as much, or at least because it was new, they had some policies they didn't trust as much. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was a frustrating situation. We approached Indiegogo and said, Hey, this is what happened. They said, well, can you send us art? Like, can you prove that, you know, I didn't even touch on what we kind of finally found out. We never got a, uh, we never got a, clear response from Kickstarter. They always kind of beat around the bush with their template responses. But uh, what we found out was Kickstarter has a policy that you can't resell an existing product. So what had happened is, is this year where we were marketing and advertising our watches, some uh, manufacturer in China ripped off our design of two of our watches, pretty much exactly just missing our logo and we're advertising them as listings on Alibaba. And so while our Kickstarter campaign was live, some a backer or someone stumbled across it and assumed that we were just buying an existing product and reselling it and with this great like watchmaker background story, um, basically just kind of scamming people. And then we just started getting attacked with comments like these guys are scammers, these guys are frauds, these watches are on Alibaba and like, uh, of, of course, just like assuming the worst in a possible situation and, and not thinking, oh, maybe they designed the watch in China and knocked it off. It was like, oh, these guys are scamming us and buying watches and reselling. So while we never got a clear answer, that was the only issue we, we could see with the campaign is maybe there was some confusion there. So anyways, we went over to Indiegogo and they said, well, can you send us our design files or your design files to show that, you know, these are original designs. We sent them in, it was cleared up over one email. 
and we were able to have a successful campaign over there. The frustrating thing is it could have been cleared up with one email with Kickstarter. You know what I mean? Right. So sorry, that's a, I'm just, I'm just uh, blasting away at that story. But um, anyways, it's been, it's five years now we sell, we've, we've uh, you know, it, we've kept it pretty, pretty low maintenance, pretty automated. We sell on Amazon. We're fulfilled by Amazon. Um, we're an Amazon exclusive brand, which is, which has been great um, because we've kept it small. You know, like, like I said, we started it when we were in college and um, we both had other things that we wanted to experiment with. So we kept it, you know, relatively small and automated, but it's, it's a great little side hustle. We, we sell watches and we sell them on Amazon. We sell them direct to consumer on our website. You know, we run social and digital ads, sell watches. We advertise a little bit on Amazon as well. And yeah, so it's still, still up and running that we, we did another campaign on Kickstarter. Um, we kind of let bygones be bygones and went back to the platform for <laughs> campaign number two, which we actually, that's a whole other story. It took us like six months to get approval from them of just unanswered emails trying to, because our, our account was locked. We couldn't, we couldn't launch another campaign. Um, so they had to go in and manually unlock it, which I mean, seriously, there were like six months of a couple emails a week unanswered. And then finally, I forget how it all happened. We, had, we got an email of someone and the next day it was, it was, uh, our account was unlocked. So we were able to do that. But anyways, good old Kickstarter. Dude, what a wild ride and a wild story. I mean, you, you, <laughs> you talk about this, you know, amazing, simple, beginning then you like i mean talk about experiencing every type of emotion you can and i mean you're two young guys in college you're dealing with all this crap that you know <laughs> i mean most people can't even dream of and you still somehow just muscle through and you build a system and you learn and you gain experience and you know like i'm trying to even formulate how to you know create create a response to that other than what was the thing that just kept you driving? I mean, why did you just keep going? I mean, I'm sure you had moments where you're like, why don't we just give up and quit answering emails because they're piling on faster than we can even manage. Yeah. But uh, what kept you in it? That's a good question. You know, it seemed um, too good to be true when it was all happening. Like it was just like, this is, this is amazing. This is too easy. Right. Like you hear about, people grinding for years and, you know, never breaking even. And, and, and here we are within two weeks, like, you know, I was supposed to projected to do 1.3 million in sales in a, in a month. And so I, I think part of it was, um, you kind of a light at the end of the tunnel where I saw like, Hey, I, like we created something that people really wanted. And, you know, a few people jumping to conclusions kind of, ruin that for us. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think we saw, or, or maybe, maybe tasted, I shouldn't say saw, maybe we tasted some level of success of, Hey, we built this, we put a lot of effort into it, into this and it, and it worked for the most part, you know, at least we saw that it could be successful. And so I think, I think it's that, and probably that, being so close and having it ripped away probably made me a little more hungry and more determined. 
I didn't feel that way right at first, you know, like when I realized that that had all happened, I was just like, forget that. Like that was terrible. <laughs> but, but then kind of my competitive side kicked in and I'm like, all right, let's like, let's get this done. Let's get, let's get over to Indiegogo who's Kickstarter's competitor and let's, you know, let's raise some money over there. And so, yeah, I, probably that left me hungry. And that campaign on Indiegogo, how much did that end up doing? 370. So you were, I mean, still cranking away based on, you know, being, uh, uh, the experience that you had, you still did decent with that. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was really interesting to see. Um, that was what was interesting. And, and it, I don't think it would be true today because Indiegogo is a lot more recognized, but at the time, because they were, they were there, they had so much less, like fewer brand awareness going so much less brand awareness. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah. um, you know, their name wasn't out there like Kickstarter's name was. And so the same exact advertisement, same picture, same wording, same exact campaign video. I mean, it was, they were mirror images on Kickstarter and Indiegogo, but the same ad just did not convert nearly as well because a it was saying, you know, now live on Indiegogo where I was saying now live on Kickstarter. And so that was interesting. And that was something we had, we really had to battle. Um, we worked really hard to get people who had contributed on Kickstarter to transfer over to Indiegogo. And that took a lot of, um, I guess, educating that, Hey, you didn't buy a watch on Kickstarter. So, you know, no money came out of your account. We'd love your support on Indiegogo. We kind of tried to be as transparent as, as possible and say, this is what we assume happened with our, our campaign on Kickstarter. Uh, this is, you know, how we resolved it with Indiegogo and we're over there, but we didn't have access to their emails. And so that, you know, the, the amount of effort we were able to put into that wasn't much on, you know, there wasn't much carryover, but there were some that helped us. So we were, we were still able to reach, we did put our goal at 15,000. So the second time on the Indiegogo, <laughs> we were able, still able to reach that on the, the first day. And, uh, and then we didn't have that explosive growth like we saw on Kickstarter, but we, we had consistency throughout the com- campaign. So what an amazing story though, man, it just really shows, you know, going back to that perseverance and that dedication to, you know, fulfilling the dream. I mean, you guys saw a vision, you had a dream and you weren't taking no for an answer. I mean, you just did whatever it took to be able to accomplish that end goal. And, you know, I mean, it's proven, I'm sure those lessons will prove success throughout your life just because of what you learned, what you went through, how you were able to overcome it. The, you know, the idea really of proof of concept of, of creating something and turning it into something great. Um, I mean, those are, those are, those are experiences that you can't trade for anything. You can't pay for those types of experiences. Sure. Yeah. What do you think was the biggest lesson that you learned? Biggest lesson. That's a good question. I'll tell you a very significant lesson. I don't know if it was the the biggest, but it's something that I think about a lot from it. I don't think I realized at the time as well as I realize now when our campaign was launching, but man, I was scared to death to fail. Like I remember when we went live on Kickstarter, I was like, man, if this doesn't do well, like it's going to be embarrassing for my friends who see the campaign and see it flop. It's going to be, you know, a huge letdown because we spent a year doing it. And you always hear like, you know, don't be afraid to fail kind of thing. Like just make it happen. And, and I don't think that's the, the best advice. I think that 
if your fear stops you from trying, then there, that's too much fear. But I think like there's a healthy level of fear that, that, that drives success. Um, it's kind of like the bell curve, right? Like too, too, too much stress or too much fear, then product productivity goes down. But if there's that healthy amount, but anyways, I, I don't know what the healthy amount is, but I was, I feel like I was kind of right on that edge of like a little more fear and I probably wouldn't have gone for it. But, um, anyway, so I think it's, I think it's good to like put a lot of pressure on, on yourself and, and something like, like Kickstarter, you know, you're, the whole process is so transparent. You're like in front of the camera, you're telling the story, people see whether or not it's successful, like how much you raise is right there. So if you, you know, it's, it's, it's very like open in your face for the world to see, for you to see. And, um, anyway, so I, I think there's, I, I guess to answer your question, I think about it a lot. Like if you're, if something makes you nervous to do and there's like a little bit of fear behind it, like let that fear drive you. You know what I mean? Let mm-hmm. that, let that fear like make you stay up late working to make sure it works or let, let that fear like get, you know, one more email out of someone to make sure it works or whatever it might be, you know? No, I love that, man. That's such a good answer. So, you know, going along with that, what would you say from an advice standpoint to somebody wanting to start a Kickstarter or Indiegogo campaign, some sort of crowdfunding, what, uh, what advice or what, you know, from experience, what would you say might help them be successful at that? Probably that there, I mean, I, I talk about how scared I was to do it, but in all reality, like there's, there's not a huge downside. I think we put in like tops. We, we probably invested our initial investment was like a thousand bucks. That was for, for our first round of samples. That was for like the very little ad spend that we did. Most of it was like I say, sweat equity and um, trying to build Instagram and get emails that way. But, um, you know, so I, I, I talk about like as scary as it was to go and do it and hope that it was successful. Uh, there's really with kick with a platform like Kickstarter and being able to do it with a, a small upfront investment, there's not a ton of downside. You know, and there's there's really have a lot to gain, um, but there's not a ton of downside. But I've also helped a lot of people since then on their campaigns. And I can tell you, like, from my first call with those people, whether or not their campaign's going to get funded or not. Like, I, I talk with people who are just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to, like, throw it out there and, you know, I like put it together real quick and just throw it out there and see if it works. And you just know, I mean, and, and every time, not, not a single one of those has been funded versus the people that are like, yeah, I'm doing this and this and this, what else can I do? I feel like I'm not doing enough. And they're like, they're like trying so hard to cover all the bases so that it's, it's you know, like, and that doesn't take money. You know, most of the people are like close friends or family who are similar situation as me or like, we don't have a ton of money dump into this thing to make it work. Um, anyways, so that, I guess that would be my advice is there's not a, there's not a lot to lose, but it just, it doesn't just happen. Like it, there's a lot of, like, I, you know, I mentioned we did a year of pre campaigning to make sure that it worked. And I don't think you need that much time. Um, but you know, it, it takes a lot of time. Yeah, no, for sure. That's, that's great advice. What about from the, the ad agency? Do you feel like that was super beneficial? Um, I'm sure there's many companies out there now that do that. Uh, and you know, what would be the best way to, 
evaluate that as an option and even select one uh, that fits their needs? Yeah, that's a really good question. For us, as I mentioned, there aside from like borrowing money from from family or you know taking out a loan, which I don't probably neither of us would have qualified for. Um, we didn't have an option to to advertise our campaign because we didn't have any dollars to put behind that those campaigns. So for us, it was really like it was a it was a win win for us. They take a pretty serious percentage. Um, they, so they took 35% of our total campaign, which is, which is huge, right? Like you think about right off the top, 35% is gone. Then Kickstarter takes 5% and their payment processing takes, uh, 3%, you know, so there's 43% just like that. It's, it's gone. Every pledge that comes in 43% gone. Um, so it's, it's a lot, but the other thing to consider is, um, they were good at what they did and they were very efficient with, with pledges and people, some, I mean, a lot of times people have a hard time converting at 35% of sales. So, you know, if it's a hundred dollar product, a lot of times people are spending 30, 40 bucks in ad spend to get someone to convert. So if you look at it that way, it wasn't our ad spend dollars. They were good at what they did so much about social and digital advertising is retargeting with email lists or lookalike audiences. And they have, you know, because of all the campaigns that they've run, they have hundreds of thousands of emails that they were able to fine tune and find these demographics and and audiences that worked with our campaign. That was another resource we just didn't have access to. So for, you know, if, if you have money, then you can get emails. And if you have money in emails, then you can do a lot of the social advertising on your own. If you don't have money, then you can't get emails and you need someone like that to help out. Um, that, so we worked with them again on the, on our second campaign and they were a completely different company by then. So when they, when they worked with us on our first campaign, they were brand new, they hustled. We worked directly with the two founders. They were doing a lot of the legwork for our campaign and they were hungry. The second time, they, we worked with them. We worked with, you know, account representatives. We had no interaction with the founders. Um, their business model had changed to like, you pay a pretty significant testing fee where, you know, they'll test your campaign for a week, but you pay a pretty big chunk of money to have them do that. And during that week, they kind of determine if it's a winner or not. Um, and if it's a campaign they want to continue doing, and it's just, it was a lot different. So there was a lot less upside the second time than the first time, but we also had some money and some know-how and some emails. So we, we advertised alongside them and um, they didn't do nearly the results they did the first time. In fact, we are, you know, our efforts were, we were more profitable than them on ad spend and things like that. So that changed a little bit, but still, I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do if, if, you don't have money or emails and an agency might be a good solution. Did they end up transferring over to the Indiegogo campaign with you? It did. Nice. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. They stuck with you. Cool. Yeah, it was. And they were actually, I, so after our first campaign, I had nothing but good things to say about them. I felt a little different after, our, after our second one, but that's what happens when companies grow, the culture changes and policies have to change. Um, but they were really awesome to deal with on that first campaign. Like they, man, they bent over backwards to help us. 
get our campaign over on Indiegogo and get things running. And um, anyways, they helped us through like the contractual agreements that we had and what happened if they spend all this money on Kickstarter and it gets shut down and they helped us work through all of that. So. Cool. No, that there's definitely something to be said with, uh, you know, working with an agency like that to have the experience if, if it is the right fit. And, you know, I think you, you hit it right on. If you, if it's the fit that needs to happen, then you pick whatever option it is that goes along with that fit. And, you know, you'll determine that depending on what your situation is as you, as you get there. Yeah, I know. I think you're right. I, I think if you take a real honest evaluation of where are your strengths and then where are you falling short, like find someone that, you know, make the most of your strengths, but find someone that can do things that you can't do. And, you know, that's money well spent, but, but if you can do something on your own, do it. And usually, you know, with a little bit of know-how, you can figure out how to do as good of a job as an agency. I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I have. I seriously love Bo. He is one of my very, very good friends, and it's been an absolute blast to watch uh, the different paths that he has taken over you know, the course of our friendship. So if you would like to hear the rest of this interview, please tune in tomorrow, and you can hear the final uh, thoughts and closing remarks that uh, we discussed in the interview. So as always, make sure to infuse hope to those in need by teaching correct principles that lead to result-driven action. Also go out and subscribe, rate, and review to the podcast. It really does mean more than you know. Feel free to check us out too on Instagram. Um, Connect with us and watch some of the different posts and engage. Uh, We're always looking for different interviews. We're looking to answer different questions that people have. So the more interaction that we have, the better we can assist in answering the questions that uh, you have as a listener. So make sure to tune in and check us out there um, and go out and make it a fantastic day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Wealth Alliance podcast. I just wanted to take one more minute to thank our sponsors. Are you ready to learn how you can take your life and your business to the next level? Learn how you can create side income and have different assets pay for your life and your lifestyle? Tune in next week to the Wealth Alliance podcast. This is Dave Deal signing out. Thank you so much and have a great week.